Luke chapter number 2, turn your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter number 2, and we're going to read this morning uh, the first uh, 14 uh, verses of Luke chapter number 2, and of course, uh, familiar verses, especially this time of year, uh, it's commonly referred to as the Christmas story, or the, of course, we see the birth of Christ in this passage of Scripture, Luke chapter uh, number 2. And uh, this morning, I'm going to be very, very practical in the message that I bring from this passage of Scripture, and uh, it'll be very, very simple outline, uh, but it's going to be very applicable to us today. I'm constantly amazed at how the Lord just continues to speak to man, and uh, certainly the, the Word of God uh, speaks to us if we'll just listen uh, to what God has to say, and uh, things that took place all these years ago, God could still use them, uh, the Word and through the Word of God, uh, for us today. And I think we're going to be reminded this morning of how uh, God uses this story uh, to remind us of some things this morning. Luke chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while there were there, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a, he a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Today we'll use the first 14 verses as our text verse. And uh, as we're reminded of the birth of the Lord Jesus. This morning I want to speak on this subject. What the birth of Christ reminds us today. What the birth of Christ reminds us today. Father, I pray this morning that you'd use your word to speak to your people. And Father, I pray that you would speak through me this morning. May uh, your word be real to us. May we be reminded of this important event that took place. What it means to us as Christians. As it, what it means to us as the redeemed. But Father, I believe that your word is a living book. And I believe it speaks to us today, and I believe there's some valuable things for us to be reminded of from this passage of Scripture today. I pray that if there's one unsaved, may they realize their need of salvation. May they call on the name of Jesus today, for it's in His name we pray. Amen. As we think of the title of the message this morning, what the birth of Christ reminds us today, certainly we, we think of the Christmas season as a very festive time. It's a time that is set apart for friends and family to get together, and certainly we can take advantage 
of some opportunities we have during this time that not during the other time. Uh, it is also a time where a lot of family traditions take place, and uh, certainly those are good things, and there's nothing wrong with having those family traditions. Uh, but for uh, really the world, but especially those that are saved, this time of year reminds us, let me say more than any other, because it should not be the only time we're reminded of the fact that Jesus came to pay for the sins of the world. But we are reminded in a greater way, that's on our mind in a greater way, of the birth of the Lord Jesus. But I want us to be reminded this morning uh, that there's some things that uh, should come to our mind when we think of Luke chapter number 2, and, and specifically the verses that we read this morning. And I think there's, this is going to be a very practical message, but one that uh, reminds us of some really great truths and some things uh, that we need to be reminded of. But let me just say on, on that note, uh, the Lord, all through the Bible, takes time to remind His people of things that they need to remember. And we need to be reminded of truths that sometimes we pick up and we set down. Um, some facts that we know, but we get busy in life, but God wants to stop and remind us. I, I think of this. This, is, this might sound silly to you, but it's one of my favorite things to do. And when you go out at night in that clear sky, it's just to look up at the stars. And uh, I'm not wishing on a star, but I love to see the stars. And when I see those stars, I'm reminded of a God that's so much bigger than I am. I'm reminded of a God that's so much bigger than what's going on in this world. Uh, little things that God does to remind us that He is in charge. Have you been blessed recently? Ha has there been someone who is, who's bestowed an act of kindness upon you that you never, you didn't even know it was coming? You were just taken back by it? Uh, we, we often are reminded that, that God cares for us. We're often reminded there's others thinking of us. But I want us to be reminded by this story of some very important things that we need to recall today. This was a tumultuous time that we find in Scripture. We live in a tumultuous time. Uh, we don't have to be reminded of how fragile life is. We don't need to be reminded of how uh, fragile our way of life is. Uh, our way of life has been altered in this year. It has been changed. And while there is going to be some sense of normalcy possibly, uh, the world is really going to be changed forever. And it has to be if you study the Word of God because the events that the book of Revelation talk about are going to take place. And those things are going to come about. But our world has been changed and like never before. And maybe that's too strong of a statement, but certainly in a different way than ever before in our nation, our liberties are threatened. Our way of life as Americans has been threatened. And we literally face some uncertain times. But I don't want us this morning to be disheartened by the world that we live in because we celebrate the birth of a Savior, that the Son of God who would live a sinless life and pay for my sins, pay for your sins. And He is the Son of God who conquered death and hell. And as we spend some time this morning in Sunday school being reminded that God is greater God is above, God is eternal, and He is greater than anything we face today. I want us to look at the outline that's prepared this morning, and I've got four statements that I want to make, four reminders of some, some principles, some truths that the birth of Christ remind us of. Certainly, on December 25th, this coming Friday, 
in the midst of perhaps a busy time at your house. Some of you, as you testified this morning about raising of hand in Sunday school, you may be traveling somewhere else or you may be staying home. And uh, it may be if you've got small kids, it's certainly going to be a little bit more dramatic than if all your kids are grown and uh, things of that nature. But no matter what you do, somewhere in there, there ought to be some time where a child of God, we stop and we acknowledge what God has done for us and the birth of his son. But I want his story of his birth to remind us of some other truths that are in the background of the birth of Christ. Let's look at these this morning. Let me say, first of all, number one, God's plan will be fulfilled. If God has a plan, and He does, it is always going to be fulfilled. Jesus was born in a manger. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Jesus was born at the exact time that God planned, which had been prophesied hundreds of years prior. Uh, he has a plan. I want to illustrate something to you this morning, but first I want us to look in verse number 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. I don't have time this morning. We'll probably look at some of these passages in the weeks to come. But verse number 4 signifies fulfillment of Bible prophecy. He, the Son of God, would be of Nazareth. He would be in the city of David, Bethlehem, and he was going to be out of the lineage of David. Now, God moved things around to fulfill a prophecy that has been made. I have a picture this morning that I want to show, and uh, you can put the, the picture up this morning for everyone to see. Uh, earlier this year, as you know, uh, I, some of us were able to go to Israel, and the picture you see is of Bethlehem. I, since I was a child, have heard of the story of the birth of Christ. I was privileged to accept Christ as my Savior as a very young man. You hear of the, 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 the birth of Christ, and I can see in my mind that the, the little uh, flannel graph or the little nativity scenes, and you have the, 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 the manger, and you have uh, Mary and Joseph, and, and it, was always, it was always the same. There was always like two camels, one donkey, and, and three sheep. And, every, and that's exactly what was there apparently that day. But you, know, you get these pictures in your mind, and you know from a child, he was born in Bethlehem. You know the story of the angels appearing unto the angel, uh, the, the angels appearing unto the shepherds. Uh, but when we were at this site, and um, I'm taking picture credits for this as well, but this is, I remember standing there, and it's interesting that this is Bethlehem now, is in Palestinian territory. And I'm standing there, and we had first, before we got to this spot, we had been taken to what was supposedly the birthplace of Christ. Now, we were obviously skeptical because uh, nobody was there to record the exact birthplace of Christ. And I know that God would not want anyone to worship a place more than they worship the Savior. Uh, but they take us to this place where supposedly 
this is where the birth of Christ was, and uh, it just happened to be a Catholic church right on top of that supposed site, and it just happened to, you have to pay certain money to buy a ticket to get in to see uh, that site, and so you can understand the skepticism uh, that we, uh, we dealt with when going and just, we stopped by there, and then, uh, of course, there's no way of knowing exactly where he was born, but we do know he was born in Bethlehem. This is a spot a little further away from the main part of the city. And I don't know if you can see, if you look, of course, across the valley, there's, there's development there now, but where we stood was uh, ruins, uh, rocky, and if you look down into the green uh, pasture there, uh, the, our guide was giving us some history and some context, and the, the, what I'm going to point out now I knew, but it never occurred to me until that moment, and the Lord connected the dots. Now, I'm taking the time to show you this morning because I want you to be reminded that God always has a plan. God will always fulfill His plan. On the itinerary uh, that we had, and we, we went by that day, we were to visit the fields of Boaz and Ruth. And what you see is we're up on a, a, a high place, and down in the valley, there's still green fields there. And these, somewhere in this vicinity, of course, the city has grown out, and they were on the outskirts there of Bethlehem. That was considered the fields of Ruth and Boaz. It's quite an overwhelming thing to be on that side of the world and know that thousands of years before, the things that you've read on the pages of Scripture, took place somewhere in that vicinity where you are. But you look down and you know that that is the place that, in that story, and I'll not take time to go through the story, but where Ruth was redeemed by Boaz. And then the, the Holy Spirit begins to piece pieces of the Scripture together. Uh, David was the great-grandson of Boaz. And David watched his sheep in those same fields. In periods of history that you know there's a lineage there, but as God, as you're looking at this, God begins to put it together. There is Boaz. Ruth is redeemed there. And in generations later, King David, as a shepherd, is watching his sheep in those same fields. But then, those same fields, somewhere in the vicinity of where we were, there were shepherds watching over their flock by night. And it was somewhere in those uh, the vicinity of where we were where the plan that God had began to all come together. Because in verse number 4, the prophecy started to be fulfilled of where the Son of God would come from, where He would be born, and of whose lineage He would be. And because He was of the lineage of David, He is in Bethlehem at a time of taxing, and the same fields Ruth, and Bo, Ruth, Ruth uh, gleaned from, the same spot that David 
watched his sheep. Now out of his lineage, the angels appear and give testimony that the Christ child has been born. And there in one moment, God takes centuries and connects them together and reminds you and I, I always have a plan. And while man thought they were just there to give the government money, God was fulfilling a plan that was prophesied hundreds of years prior. And let me just say this morning, remind you and I, God did have a plan to redeem man. And that plan was named Jesus. And God would use simple men to bring all of his plan together. And I want to remind you in the context of this truth this morning that God still has a plan today. Now, the angels of verse number 8, as you think about this, and they're singing in verse number 8, and they're in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. These shepherds, it was just like any other night for them. We, gotta, we have to give, but this put context for me. The shepherds would have been up in that, on that mountainside, on that hillside, and they, they would have been watching those sheep down uh, in, in the valley there. But then, can you imagine, just like every other night, there you are watching over the sheep and just waiting for the sun to come up, and then all of a sudden, there's an angel appearing. That would be, that would get your attention. But then the angel not only appears, he begins to speak to you. He not only begins to speak to you, which that would be different. The message that he tells you is a fulfillment of hundreds of years of prophecy. And it wasn't just any prophecy. It was the prophecy of the Son of God, the Messiah. And those shepherds, and then seeing those, uh, those, those, that, 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 that angel come to them, and let me remind you that what took place in verse number 8, those shepherds had no idea what took place in Luke chapter number 1 when the angel appeared to Mary and told her that she had been chosen by God. He, those shepherds had no idea that took place. Those shepherds had no idea of, of a woman named Mary who was there now and had just given birth. But now God's plan comes all together. How does this apply to you and I today? Just as God, through the centuries, worked His plan to bring about the fulfillment of this promise and this prophecy, do not be discouraged by what you see taking place in your world today? Because God always has a plan. And everything that moves is still a fulfillment of what this book says is going to take place. And friend, what is happening in our world today is a fulfillment of prophecy. Not the prophecy of the arrival of the Son of God, but the prophecy of the second coming 
of the Son of God. And just like those who lived in this day didn't understand they lived in the day, they just knew the day was going to come one day. And there they were on a hillside doing what they did every day. Then all of a sudden, the prophecy was fulfilled. In a moment, in an instant, in the sky, an angel appeared and said, I've got some great news for you. Jesus is here. The Son of God has arrived, and God's plan came together. So don't be discouraged and disheartened by what takes place in our world today. Let me remind you, God's got a plan. And His plan always comes about. And friend, before I move to number two, let me remind you, there is coming a day when man is just going to be going about his day, fulfilling his responsibilities in the sky. There's going to be an announcement in the sky. And it's not going to be an angel this time. It's going to be the Son of God Himself who's going to say, Come up hither! Don't be discouraged. Don't be disheartened. God always has a plan. Number two, the second thing I want us to be reminded of today from this story is that there is always good even in hard times. There is always good, even in hard times. Read with me again the first five verses of Scripture. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Well, he may not have been a Democrat, but he certainly is the forerunner. Verse number two, And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Verse 3, And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Verse 5, To be taxed. Everyone is coming to be taxed. So many people were there that now Mary had to have her child the Christ child, in a manger where the animals resided. But if you read verse number, verses 1 through 5, you get a sense. Is there anything more depressing than paying your taxes? It is always disheartening for that individual, that young man, that young lady that enters the workforce for the first time. And when they are hired, we're going to pay you this much money an hour. They're like, my problems are over. And they budget accordingly, 40 hours, and we'll just pick a round number. At $10 an hour, I know that I'm going to have $400 at the end of the week. And with that $400, I can buy this kind of a car. With that $400, I mean, I mean, how many tacos can you get with $400? I mean, you start, they start adding up all of this, and then they get that first paycheck, and they got $89.12. They say, where did all of my money go? Well, you have to pay taxes. Taxes. There's almost more motivation to not work than to work. I wonder if that was by design. But this is not a happy scene that we see in verses 1 through 5. First of all, we get a picture. Who was it that gave the decree? It was a Roman 
emperor. It was a king from another land who God's people, as we've been, we've been studying in the book of Deuteronomy Sunday School, who God gave them a land and said, I will be your ruler. I will take care of you. Now you got a heathen from a far land saying, go to the, the city you're from, go to Bethlehem and give me your money. What a reminder of their bondage. What a reminder of their loss of freedom. What a reminder of how far they had come, or should I say, how far they had drifted. In all of these verses, but verse number four, that word tax is used in some form. If you study history during that time period, what were the taxes? First of all, as much as the Roman government wanted. And then they gave liberty to the tax collector. We're not going to pay you. You, you. you pay yourself by adding on to the taxes that we've taxed. And the people were left wanting. Imagine the difficulty of leaving your home, leaving your homestead, leaving the things to make the long journey. This was not a buying a plane ticket or a train ticket or even getting in an automobile and going to the tax collector's office. This was making a long, a hard journey to give a pagan ruler our substance. What do you think they thought about as they would travel to pay those taxes? You think there's ever anything, any bad thoughts about Rome, Caesar? Man, it's a good thing there wasn't social media back then. These were not good times. See, God never intended for his people to ever live under the rule of anyone other than him. And because of their rebellion now, they're under the harsh rule of a Roman emperor. It's bad enough that somebody else ruled them. But if you are familiar with the paganism that was Rome, it's a pagan that rules us. It's a pagan who believes in human sacrifice. It's a pagan who doesn't believe in our God, but believes in many gods. It's a pagan that believes in just debauchery. That is who rules us. And at the time to pay taxes, we're reminded once again, these were not great times. But as I mentioned with that second truth, I want us to be reminded of there is good that comes in these bad times. Notice with me verse number 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. Apparently, the angel wasn't aware of high taxes. Apparently, the angel was not aware that there was a pagan ruler by the name of Caesar Augustus who ruled 
and kept God's people under his thumb. Apparently, the angel had just been lost in the, in, in, in the pleasure of heaven and how wonderful heaven was. And he just was not aware of the bad circumstances that he happened upon to deliver his message. Otherwise, he wouldn't have begun with fear not. But of course, you sense the sarcasm. He came to send a message in the midst of paying the taxes, in the midst of bondage, in the midst of being ruled by a pagan. He said, fear not. I know the day is bleak. I know the, why, I know the circumstances are not great. I know it seems like there's no way out of, of the circumstances that God's people are in, but I've got a message for you. There's some good news in the bad times. There's some good news in the evil time. He says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. He said, I've got some good news for you, and it's going to make you really happy. So fear not facing the circumstances that you're facing. And can I just make the application to you and I today? There's a lot in this world that says you better be afraid. There's a lot that our flesh may actually fear. But I believe the message is just as real today. Fear not. Well, pastor, I know this has been your message all 2020. Haven't you seen the news? No. Haven't you watched and paid attention? I still believe, though, in the midst of hard times. I know that there's difficulty. I know that there's change. I know that there are some real things and real problems that you and I face in the day we face today. But the message is this morning, there's some great news. Even in the midst of bad times. And the Bible still applies to you and I today. He said, fear not. What was this angel saying? Focus on the message, not the circumstances. The angel did not change. You know, God, I know you sent me. But it's going to be it's hard times down there. I don't know if this message is going to be received like it should be received. Maybe you should change the circumstances before I bring this message of hope. Don't miss this. The message of hope always comes in the most difficult of circumstances. That's why it's a message of hope. And friend, no matter what we have faced in this year, no matter what we face today, no matter what we face in 2021 and beyond, this is why the hope means more to us. God is in control. Fear not. The good news is still good news. And it's still to all people, let me remind you, hope is still in the message of Jesus. All you've got to do is pay attention to this world, pay attention, turn on the television, and, and, and if you don't want to go into it all, then, then they're, not, you're, they're not doing what they want to do. This world will depress you. This world will discourage you. This world tells you to be afraid of everything. Be afraid of this. And then somebody else is telling you, be afraid of the exact, the exact opposite of that. And be afraid of this and be afraid of this. But the message of hope is still the same. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor, what is the answer in, in, in this situation with the pandemic? What is the answer, politically speaking? What is the answer? I don't have those answers. But I do have a message found in Luke chapter number 2.
Fear not. Because it's different now, is what that angel was saying. I know the taxes are high. I know the burden is great. But I'm here to tell you, it's all changed. Well, what has changed? The announcement I have to make is now Jesus is here. Jesus has been born. The Messiah has come. The prophecy has been fulfilled. And can I echo the message of the angel who appeared to those shepherds that day? You and I don't have to fear as those who don't know Jesus, as those who don't know of eternity, of those who have no hope. We don't have to fear because Jesus has changed everything. Number three. I like this one. Jesus can still be found. Picture in your mind, and with that picture I showed you, gives you a little bit of context as they're on that hillside and they're just watching their sheep and all of a sudden, and maybe they're talking about, well, the crowds sure are big now. It's tax season. Man, you can't, you, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't get anywhere in town right now. I, I heard today that they're making people Sleep with the animals because they're so full. They're just out there just talking about life. Then all of a sudden, in verse number 9, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. You and I be afraid too. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. They knew of the prophecy. That's why when he says in the city of David, it was significant to them. Which is Christ the Lord. And this, notice verse 12, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The announcement has been made that the Messiah is born. The Son of God has come. As a Jew, as a Hebrew, That was the hope that you hold on to. Generation after generation, he's coming, he's coming, and oh, he's going to make all the right, all the wrongs right. Oh, he's coming, he's going to be our king, he's going to be our, oh, he's coming, he's our hope, he's our redemption, he's coming. Always thinking that we'll hold on to that hope and it'll get us through another night, but it's probably not going to be in our lifetime. We'll be, we're, we're shepherds. We'll be the last to know about it. We're gone for days, weeks, months. We're not going to know about it. But no, that angel appears and said he has arrived. Can you imagine the excitement in the midst of the fear? Well, if he's here, I'm going to go see him. How are we going to find him? He's born in the city of David. There's the city. He's not going to be the only baby there. And so the angel said, let this be a sign unto you. Look for the child wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. How cruel, and we've sung Christmas songs about this, because the message of Scripture is in them. We learn about it as a child in Sunday school. How cruel of this world. How, why would God allow His Son 
to enter this world just to be placed in a manger where the animals eat their food from. Well, I imagine that Christ was the only child laying in a manger. And what was the sign that those shepherds were supposed to look for? And if you continue reading, they get up and they go and they go to find him. Well, how do you think they found him? They looked for the sign that the shepherds said to look for. He's laying in a manger. Might I make the application today that you can still follow Jesus? You can still find Jesus if you just follow the signs? I mean, I showed you a picture when we went to Bethlehem, but I wasn't looking for him there. Because he's been there and he's gone. But you can still find Jesus if you follow the signs. In that day, he said, go find, the angel said, go find the manger. And that is, and you'll find him because there wasn't any other child wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. That's how they knew it was him. And then how will you know it is him? The next sign they had to look for, oh, about 33 years later, was a cross. That was a fulfillment of another pro- prophecy. What's the next sign to find Jesus? Well, you have to look for an empty tomb. Because there's been a lot of religious leaders claim to be the one. But their tomb's not empty. So if you want to find the Son of God, yes, they could find them. He said, follow the signs, find the manger, find the child in the manger. And I would say, if you want to find Jesus, you can still find him, but you have to look for a cross. You find an empty tomb. See, men today are looking for the same kind of person that those who didn't have Christ in the days of the New Testament, they were looking for that religious teacher. They were looking for that one to make them feel good, and they weren't looking for the Son of God in the flesh, Jehovah in the flesh, who had come to save the sins of the world. And if you're looking for a revolution today, you'll not find Jesus. If you're looking for a political movement today, you'll not find Jesus. If you're even looking for a religious, church-led movement today, you'll not find Jesus. Well, how do we find Him? Can men still find Jesus today? I've got some great news for you this morning. If you're here and you've never found Him, you can still find Him in 2020. You can still find Him in the midst of a pandemic. You can still find Him in uncertainty in the political world. Well, where do I find Him? Follow the signs. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. There's an empty tomb where Christ once lay. I'm sure you've thought of this before. You know Jesus didn't have to own a tomb. He only needed to borrow one. Because he wasn't going to be there long. Uh, Man can find... what What are we to do? We're to help people follow the signs. And they can find Jesus. You can still find Jesus. Jesus can still be found if you follow the signs. And might I add to this before I move to number four? Those of us that are saved, those of us that already found him, there's another sign that we ought to be looking for. I don't know if you ever thought about this. I, I want to see Jesus. I've read about him. 
He saved my sorry soul. He's the Son of God. I read through the Gospels, and I mean, they heard, they, those disciples, they heard Jesus talk. They saw him with their own eyes. They touched him. He touched them. They sat at his feet and heard him teach. What would it be to see Jesus? Now, he's got me here, he's got you here. Which means there's a work that you and I should be busy doing for him. But if we want to see him, we ought to still be looking for him. And this time, the announcement's not going to be, go to Bethlehem and look for the child in a manger. This time, the trumpet's going to sound, and he's going to appear in the clouds. It's ironic that even on this trip, you go and look at that birthplace, but then when you get to the Mount of Olives, I, mean, I was like, let's get there. I know, I know he came. I want to see where he's going to come, because that next sign you and I should be looking for. Then I give you number four. What the birth of Christ reminds us today, praise is always appropriate. Those angels, the angel appeared in verse number 9. That was quite an unusual event. The glory of the Lord shone about them. And say, Pastor, what, what, what was the glory of the Lord? I don't even know if I can describe that. I know when God revealed partly to Moses when he put him in the cleft of that rock, God said, no man, no man, no man can see and live. Now, I don't know how much of the glory showed show there, but it was enough to scare them. And he said, that angel said, don't be afraid, for I bring you good news. Good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He goes on to tell them of the sign. The message had been delivered in verse number 12. Are you with me? What a message. Hey, shepherds, I know what, day, I know what kind of day it is. It's a day of oppression. It's, it's a day of uncertainty. I know everybody's in the city of David because they've got to give their money, they've got to pay their taxes to a pagan ruler. But I've got some good news for you. On this day, the Son of God has been born. The prophecy has been fulfilled. Now, Jesus was going to live that sinless life, and he was going to pay for the sins of mankind, fulfilling the will of the Father. What a message. Well, as soon as this angel was done delivering his message... Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. They're getting an eyeful. There's an angel who when they were afraid, he said, fear not. Pay attention, I bring you good tidings. He delivers the greatest message in the world. And as soon as he was done... Poof, a multitude 
How many is a multitude? More than three. A multitude. Let's put it in some context when the word multitude is used. When the word multitude was used, he, the multitudes, then you say he fed the multitude, but then another account, there's at least 5,000 men, multitudes in the thousands of the heavenly host appeared, praising God. Shepherds, I've got a message for all of mankind. Today in the city of David, we see it, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And at that message, the sky opened up and the multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, good will toward men. The fulfillment of God's will had come, and heaven got excited about it. The Son of God came to save sinful men, and heaven had to praise the Son of God. And it would do you and I well to understand that whenever we talk of Jesus, and whenever we speak of His coming to this earth to fulfill His purpose, praise is always appropriate. It is always appropriate to praise the name of Jesus. It's always appropriate to praise what He has done. Too many times we as Christians, we complain in the negative. It's like, well, Jesus is coming in. Well, but what are we going to have to do? Hey, it's all praise. He's coming again. The news has been delivered. Praise is always appropriate. I conclude the message this morning by looking at verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. Now this is important because something tells me those shepherds weren't getting anything done while they were watching. It had fixed their attention. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even in the Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Talk about sensory overload. The angels disappeared as quickly as they had appeared. They began to talk to themselves, and they say, Let us now go. It was not enough that they saw that's pretty significant. It's not enough that they heard the message. The Savior's here. Pretty significant. But they had to now go. They had to take action with what they had heard. There's a couple of apl applications I want to make this morning. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've heard that Jesus came to pay for your sins. You've heard enough gospel this morning that if you put your faith and believe in Christ's finished work, that you're a sinner, you can't save yourself, 
and only through the applied blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can you be saved. You can be saved. But it's not going to be enough for you just to say, I attended a church service. I heard the real reason Jesus came. I heard the fact that he lived a sinless life. I heard the fact that he paid for my sins and the sins of the whole world. I heard the fact that he died to gave up his life. And that three days later, he raised victorious over death and hell. Matter of fact, he even had the keys in his hand. And he'll save any men who, who, who put all of their faith on him and quit depending on themselves and quit depending on a church and quit depending on the fact that they think they're a good person and just believe on him. I heard the news of Jesus, but unless ye repent with your heart, unless you put your faith in him, you must take action in order to be saved. There's a lot of Christians who ought to heed verse 15. When it says, let us now go. They were going to see him. They would help make known. Look at verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Notice that phrase, they made known abroad. Well, pastor, let me tell you something. If I had been one of those shepherds, are you with me this morning? Can you place yourself there? If I had been there on that hillside, minding my own business, and an angel appeared out of nowhere to me, and the glory of God shone round about, and let me tell you, that would scare me to death. Then I'd start to listen to the soothing sound of that angel say, Fear not, because I bring you good tidings of great joy. And then when he, when he said that, there was something about it, and I, and, and I, and I perked up, and I said, this is a heavenly messenger who's got some good news. And then when he began to say that now in the city of David a Savior is born, immediately I recalled all of the prophecies that I'd heard as a child that one day he was going to come, and I knew, I was convinced that the Savior had been born. So we talked amongst ourselves. Pastor, that had been me. I, I would have been with him, and we would have talked amongst ourselves, and I would have gone. And how did I find him? I followed the sign. Look for the child, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. We found him. We found Mary and Joseph. And I saw him. And I believed that that was the Son of God. But then I just went back up to my hillside and kept in myself all that I had seen and heard. You say, Pastor, that's crazy. I, I, would, I would talk more about it if an angel appeared to me and I'd actually seen him laying in a manger. That's something I'd have had to tell everybody. That would have been a big story. You mean, you mean bigger than the fact that because of your sins, you are destined to a horrible place called hell? And because of what Jesus did, he came to this earth, he lived the sinless life, he went to the cross of Calvary. He gave up his life. He paid your sin debt and mine and the sin debt of the whole world, raised from the dead three days later, having paid the sins of mankind. And you don't ever have to worry about a moment in hell. You can be secure with your eternity. You can know that when God looks at your record, He doesn't see the sins that you've committed. He only sees the perfect record of His Son. You mean you can experience that and you can't tell nobody about it? You can't describe that to anybody? 
You can't make haste and make that message known. How critical would it be if angels coming and appearing to these shepherds and them seeing, oh, that's nice. Where are you going? Well, i got some sheep to take care of. The missus is going to be wondering where I'm at. They understood what they had seen, and they said, we got to go tell everybody we know. The prophecy is going to be fulfilled. The last thought of what the birth of Christ reminds us. I think we're in a time when it would be appropriate for us to make known everything we know. But not only has Jesus come back, or not only has Jesus come, but he's coming back again. And just as the prophecy of his coming the first time was fulfilled, the prophecy of a second coming will be fulfilled. But he came the first time. The message was good tidings. When he comes the second time, it's going to be of judgment. And there'll be no more opportunity to be prepared. How many Christmases have been celebrated since Luke chapter number 2? More than I can count. That message of hope. But it's coming back again. So as a child of God, you and I don't have to be discouraged. You and I don't have to be disheartened by what takes place in our world. God has a plan. He's already told us how it's going to end. He just hasn't told us when. So we go about our business, figuratively speaking, keeping our sheep, listening for his appearing. Listening for that trumpet, watching for his appearing. And I think it would be very appropriate for you and I to understand the urgency that these same shepherds had. They said, we've seen him. We've got to go tell everybody we know hope has arrived. Peace is on the scene. That's a message that you and I should still be proclaiming. But we also need to make abroad, known abroad, he's coming again. God has a plan. And when he comes the second time, he's not coming as a babe in a manger. He's coming as the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He that is faithful and righteous and true. He's coming. And we better be prepared for His coming. Father, I pray this morning.